Hello and welcome to Worship from Schweitzer. I'm Pastor Jason. We're so glad you've joined us in worship today. Wherever you're at, whatever day it's on, we are glad you are here. If, you've, if you're worshiping with us for the first time, we'd love for you to let us know you're here. You can fill out a connect card and we'll send you a, a gift to say thanks for worshiping with us today. We are in a sermon series where we've been looking at the Holy Spirit from John 14, 15, and 16. Today we're in week four, and we're going to be diving in in just a few moments to what the gospel has to say about the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to grow deeper with the Spirit or and grow deeper with the sermon, you can go to switzer.church next. You'll find sermon discussion questions. You'll find some groups that are active that you could join up and be a part of. Lots of ways you could grow deeper in your faith here through the sermon and through other things that follow. Now, next up is Stephanie, and she's going to share with us some things that are happening this week and how you can be involved. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We know Schweitzer is a big church and maybe it can be hard to meet people sometimes. If you're looking to connect with others and dive into discussion, we invite you to join us every Wednesday night in April for group night from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This is a great next step if you're looking to start or join a group. You can find out more and sign up today at our new blue booth out in the lobby, or you can head online to schweitzer.church next. If you're a creative person who loves music, movies, and art, come join our Sato 48 team. Sato 48 is a film challenge that occurs the last week in April, and we would love to have you be a part of our team. You can come learn more this Thursday, March 31st at 6 p.m., or head on over online to schweitzer.church Sato. Our next second season lunch is happening on April 7th. This ministry for people aged 55 and older continues to be a blast as we gather together to hear from community leaders. On the 7th, we'll be hearing from Tom Boone on spiritual growth in the second season. You can sign up online and find out more at schweitzer.church slash second season. Hopefully you have already saved the date to be a part of our big Easter celebration on April 17th. You can even stop by the blue booth in the lobby today to grab an invitation to share with a friend. On Easter Sunday, we'll have two services, a traditional worship service at 9 a.m. and modern worship at 11. At 10.15, we're gonna have an Easter egg hunt for the kids with photo booths, art displays, and much more. We hope you'll join us. Leading up to Easter, we'll have a Maundy Thursday communion service on Thursday, April 14th at 6 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, our interactive Stations of the Cross experience will be open. This is a perfect opportunity for family, friends, and small groups to prepare for Easter. You can find out more about all of these big events and even volunteer to help at one of our Easter prep parties online at schweitzer.church Easter. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's continue with worship. Thanks, Stephanie, for those good words. If you're worshiping with us live today, we invite you to say hello in the chat feature. If you've got a prayer request, there's somebody that would love to pray with you today. And now I invite us to join with our worship team in this song of praise and worship. 
Friends, in this series on the, on the Holy Spirit, we've been trying to have our prayers speak to the Spirit, how the Spirit would, would like to come and do the, do the Spirit's work within us. Rene O'Candle Mesa wrote a lovely book uh, on, on the Holy Spirit called Come Creator Spirit. It's really on an old classic hymn. And in that book, at the end of every chapter, 
there are um, prayers to the Holy Spirit. And in, in one particular prayer, he actually picks up, a Catholic priest picks up the prayers of Charles Wesley, actually recorded in a hymn. And it's a beautiful prayer that helps us pray together um, that the Spirit would come and do His work within us. So I invite you to pray along with me. And then we'll go into a, a time of silent prayer where we can lift up our own our particular prayers and petitions, thanksgivings, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. So I invite you to pray along with me today. Oh, that in me the sacred fire might now begin to flow, burn up the dross of base desire, and make the mountains flow. Oh, that in now from heaven might fall, and all my sins consume, Come, Holy Spirit, for Thee I call. Spirit of burning, come. Renewing fire, go through my heart. Illuminate my soul. Scatter Thy life through every part and sanctify the whole. Kind Father, because you've invited us to pray, we know you hear our prayers. And we would be remiss in this moment if we would not ask for your guidance and wisdom and courage to fill the people of Ukraine in this great time of struggle. We, we pray especially today for them. And now... Would you join me in praying the prayer of Jesus taught his disciples? When we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, a part of worship is the act of giving, and it is really fun to do, right? You think about all of the gifts God has given to us and that we get to be a part of extending His fantastic grace and mercy and love by the act of giving ourselves. Um, giving makes all kinds of ministry happen, and it really brings joy to all kinds of people. It's a fantastic thing. It's a great way to worship. This week, we're really celebrating a baptism that took place on March 15th here within the, the confines of, of Schweitzer. Venda Lee, who's 90 years old, was baptized. When Venda was a young, young woman, she said she was fearful, or at least she had a little trepidation of going under the waters of, of a river to be baptized. She was really looking forward to being sprinkled. Well, after a bit of time passed in life, she was. She was surrounded by her family, her friends. And she said, she said, I hope my story is an inspiration to others. Maybe who've been following Christ, but have never, ever been baptized. Regardless of age, Vinda says, it's worth it. Go for it. We're celebrating what God's been up to in Vinda's life. She's, it's been a beautiful life. 
and what God can be up to in yours. If you like the sacrament of baptism, if you haven't received it yet, talk to us. We'd love to talk to you about it. And now, we're ready for the sermon. Let's take a listen to John 15 and following. Welcome today. I'm so glad that you're here. My name is Spencer, and today is part four of our series called The Spirit-Filled Life. We're spending six weeks exploring the power, the promise, the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. And our goal in this series is to be really practical. We want to give us some tools to use to live into the presence and power of the Spirit in our life, because we don't want to just know about the Holy Spirit. We want to live with His presence in our life. And so as we go through this series, we're looking at this in a practical way. How do we live into this? Now, we're being guided in this series through a lengthy teaching of Jesus. It's John chapter 14, 15, 16, and 17, four chapters where Jesus speaks at length about the presence, the power, um, and the promise of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so we're reading every word of this teaching uh, line by line, just working our way through this to learn from Jesus, this practical message that he has. And this teaching of Jesus, it comes right on the heels of the Last Supper and right before his arrest, uh, crucifixion, and resurrection. So you can imagine the scene. They've, they've had dinner, the Last Supper. They've shared the bread and the, and the wine. The uh, foot washing has taken place. Those things that happened at the Last Supper, that's all done. And now they're sitting around the table and Jesus starts to talk about what's going to come next. And of course, he knows what's going to come next with the cross and the resurrection. And as he talks about what's next and what's going to be true for his disciples, he starts to talk about the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit does in our life. And so we're going to pick up right where we left off last week. We're in John 15, starting in verse 9. We're going to read quite a bit today um, as, we, as we read this. And here's what Jesus says. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain, or you could read there, um, abide or live or dwell, remain in my love. And if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. And so as we remain or again dwell or, or live in, in the love of God, notice that this is connected to obedience. It's connected to living into the commands of God as well. So it's connected to obedience. Uh, let's keep reading here. It says, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. And greater love has none, no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit fruit that will last, and so that uh, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you, and this is my command, love each other. And then verse 18, 
If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Talk about a hard turn here. Go from love one another to if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Hard shift here. But now let's talk about how the world hates us. Um, Verse 19, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. And remember what I told you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will, notice it's not might or could, but they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. And they will treat you this way because of my name, for they uh, do not know the one who sent me. And if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. And if I had not uh, done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. Verse 26, listen, it says, When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the father, the spirit of truth, that is the Holy Spirit, he will testify about me. And you must also testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. All this I have told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. And they will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. I do not tell you this from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to him who sent me. And none of you asks me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I have said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. And unless I go away, the advocate, that is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world, that is Satan, now stands condemned. And I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he has will be made known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. And that is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So you can imagine the scene. They're sitting around the dinner table. They've had the Last Supper. Of course, they didn't call it that, but they've had the Last Supper. And as Jesus is talking about what's coming next, there's two big things that he speaks of here. On one hand, he speaks about obedience keeping the commands of God, living a life that is faithful, living a life that that bears fruit. And then on the other hand, he talks about how hard it's going to be. Obedience and difficulty. He talks about both of these things at the exact same time, because here is the, the harsh reality of the Christian life, is that the Christian life is difficult. It's it's not easy. It's not for people who want an easy life. The Christian life is is not the path of least resistance. Oftentimes, the Christian life is the path of most resistance because to live a life that is faithful and obedient, like Jesus talks about, 
is going to happen in times where it's costly and there's opposition, there's pressure from other people or other uh, other systems to, to try to keep you from living into God's purposes. This is just the reality of, of the Christian life, that if you want to live a life that is faithful, obedient, a life that makes a difference for the gospel, it's going to be difficult and it's going to be costly. Now, thankfully, though, as Jesus talks about this dynamic of how obedience and and faithfulness and, and this difficulty all come together, he also gives us this promise of the Holy Spirit that the advocate is going to come, that he's going to speak to us the truth. He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us. He's going to, he's going to empower us. This is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. This is what we can, we can claim in our lives that, that while it might cost us to follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to come alongside us. He's going to fill our lives. And because of this, we are going to have a spirit-empowered courage and boldness that we can be faithful no matter what it is that we face. And so when we, when we talk about the spirit-filled life, I don't, I don't know what comes to mind for you. I think that, that phrase, the spirit-filled life, it means all kinds of different things to different people. But one of the things I hope it means for you is that the spirit is going to empower you to to live a life of faithfulness and obedience, even in the midst of difficulty. Because there is this spirit-empowered courage that we find when our lives are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus is talking about. This is what we see in other places in the Bible as well. You know, one of the best places to see this promise that Jesus talks about here in action is in the book of Acts. Now, if you've never read the book of Acts, you should. First of all, just because it's awesome. It's just a great, great, great book. It's so encouraging and so inspiring. And it tells the story of the early Christians, the very first believers in Jesus. What, what did they do? How did God use them to form from this little bitty group of people to this movement that changed world history? How, how did that happen? And, you know, long story short is it was the Holy Spirit at work in them. And as you read through the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit comes and, and, and leads them and guides them and it fills them in a way that changes their life. And so there is this little phrase that's peppered throughout the book of Acts where you read this phrase that, that these women and men, these first Christians were, quote unquote, filled with the Holy Spirit. And so you see this in different places in the, in, in the book of Acts and it's a very prominent, important uh, phrase that you read that people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I wanna do, because I wanna explore this, this promise we have of, of living faithful even when it's costly and difficult. I wanna show you um, these times that you see in the book of Acts. We're gonna do a little Bible study here of when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to notice what happens when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're gonna look at Every single time in the book of Acts that you see this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's only six times. It's not that many. But just pay attention because these are such a prominent, important phrase. So you first hear this phrase that people are filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, of course, this is the day of Pentecost, and this is when the Holy Spirit comes on the church, and uh, and people uh, have the, the tongues of fire that, that fall from the sky. The wind begins to blow, and and uh, the, the Spirit comes. The very first time the Spirit is given to the church and given to the Christians, and this is what we read. The very first time we read this phrase filled with the Spirit, it's Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and it just simply says this, that all of them, that is every single Christian on earth, because they're all together in one place, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, there's the phrase, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. 
Now, they don't speak in tongues just for the sake of speaking in tongues, just because it's a cool thing to do. No, they, they leave their room that they're in and they go out into the streets and they begin to proclaim the goodness of God to all the people who are in Jerusalem and all these different languages that people are there, that they speak, hear them in their native language. And it's this incredible miracle of going to preach this message to, to, to everyone who's there. That's the first time we read the phrase. The second time we see this phrase filled with the Spirit happens in Acts chapter 4. In fact, we see it twice in this chapter. And in Acts chapter 4, it's this great, great story of, of how Peter and John, they go to the temple one day to pray. And on the way to the temple, they come across this disabled man who's begging. And, and when they come across this man, they miraculously heal him through the name of Jesus. Peter has this great line. He says, silver or gold, I do not have what I have. I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth, walk. And so the guy gets up and he walks and it causes this huge stir and, and they end up getting in trouble because of it. In fact, they get sent to jail which is what Jesus is talking about in John 15. The world hates you. It's because they hated me. They're doing the works of Jesus, this good, miraculous thing, and they end up in jail. They end up in trouble. And so you turn to Acts 4. After they spent the night in jail, um, the Peter and John are brought before the rulers and authorities. And here's the second time you see this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. It's Acts 4, verse 8. It says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people. And then the speech goes on. He has this speech about Jesus. But what's fascinating to me is that when Peter and John heal the man who's disabled, it doesn't say that uh, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. It's when he has to give an account because he's in danger that the Bible tells us that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. And as he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he gives this speech to the rulers and the elders. And, and after the speech, the Bible has this great description of Peter and John where the leaders are looking at them. And you read this in chapter four, verse 13. It just simply says that when they saw, the listen to the word here, the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. This leads us now to the third time we see this phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit, because it's also in Acts chapter four. And in Acts chapter four, Peter and John, they get released from jail. They give this speech and then they're threatened by the rulers and authorities to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. There's this opposition that comes about to them. So they go back to the, to the church, to these Christians, and they report what's happened to them. And, and the church comes together and starts to pray. And I love their prayer because their prayers aren't like, okay, God, these hard things are happening. Would you, would you change the minds of the rulers and authorities? That's not how they prayed. And they didn't pray like, God, would you change our circumstances? Or would you make things easier for us? That's not how they prayed at all. They prayed for courage and boldness in light of the threats in order for them to continue to preach the gospel. And in Acts chapter four, verse 31, we read this. This is how their prayer ended. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly, with courage. Now we go to the fourth time that we see the, the phrase fill the Holy Spirit. We're going to go to Acts chapter 9. And this is when uh, Paul is converted on the road to Damascus. And, and he has this moment of meeting Jesus. And then the Lord sends Ananias in this incredibly bold move to go to Paul because Paul's been persecuting Christians up until this point. And Ananias goes and he prays for him that he might see again, that he would be healed and that he'd be welcomed into the church. And when that happens, this is what we read. Acts chapter nine, verse 17 says, Ananias went to the house and entered it and placing his hands on Saul, that is Paul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you will see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. 
he got up, was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. And so this time, being filled with the Holy Spirit is this miraculous kind of healing and welcome for Saul, who would be the Apostle Paul. Now let's go forward. Two more times, the book of Acts, we see the phrase, filled with the Holy Spirit. And these next two times are both in Acts chapter 13. Paul is on a missionary journey and he comes on this, this uh, island Cyprus and where he is on Cyprus, he has this opposition and here's what it says. Acts 13, this is verse eight. It says, but Elimus, the sorcerer, for that is what his name means, listen, opposed them, which is what Jesus talked about in Act, uh, John 14, that you're gonna have opposition. They're gonna hate you because they hate me. So this sorcerer, he opposed Paul and, and Barnabas and, and he tried to turn the proconsul from the faith And then Saul, who was called Paul, listen, 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 filled with the Holy Spirit, he looked straight at Elamus and said, you are a child of the devil. What an enemy of everything that is right. You are an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. And will you never stop perverting the way, the right ways of the Lord? And so Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, has to give this speech because of opposition. And then we have one more time in the book of Acts. We see this, it's at the end of of chapter 13, Acts 13, and it's giving a recap kind of of what's happened in that chapter. And again, listen, listen, listen how this goes. It says, but the Jewish leaders incited the God-fearing women of high standing and the leading men of the city. They stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. So they shook the dust off their feet as a warning to them and they went to Iconium and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. And that is the six times in the book of Acts that we see this phrase, that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here's why I wanted to go to that exercise with you, is I wanted you to see that while Jesus talks in John 15 about this dynamic of, if you're gonna be obedient and faithful with a kingdom-centered life, you're gonna have opposition, it's gonna be difficult. This is what we see in the book of Acts, that the Holy Spirit is coming on these women and men, filling them in their life, four out of the six times because of opposition, because of persecution, because of difficulty and people were in their way because the choice to follow Jesus was going to cost them something. Four out of the six times we see this. That's 66% of the time, two thirds of the time that the Holy Spirit comes on the church in the book of Acts and this way that they fill the Holy Spirit is because they needed supernatural, Holy Spirit empowered courage to follow the Lord because it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna be costly, it's, it's, it's gonna be a hard decision. They wanna be faithful and yet it's gonna be a hard decision. And so again, I don't know what you think of with this phrase, the Spirit-filled life or to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but one of the things I, th- I hope that you realize that this means is that when you are living a Spirit-filled life, it means that you are receiving these the Spirit-empowered courage and boldness because the Christian life is not gonna be easy. It is not the path of least resistance. I mean, if you want an easy, comfortable life, don't be a Christian because there are gonna be times where if you're gonna be faithful and obedient and live a kingdom-centered life, a difference that makes a difference for the kingdom of God, it's gonna be difficult, it's gonna cost you, it's gonna be decisions that are, that are hard to make, and yet in the midst of that is this gift of the Holy Spirit who can empower you and give you this gift of courage. So I've been thinking a lot about that this week. Like how, do you, how do you live into that? Because we see the promise of the scripture, we see it from Jesus, we see it in the book of Acts as it's lived out, but 
But how do we live into that? How, how do we do this? And I mean this practically, because as we said at the beginning, we don't want to just know about the Holy Spirit. We want to live. It's a Spirit-filled life. We want to live in the power of the Holy Spirit. So how, how do we do this? So I've been thinking about this this week, and as I've been thinking about this, 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 this role here, that if this is what the Holy Spirit does, I've been, I've been asking myself this question of like, well, what's my role? If this is the promise we have of the Holy Spirit, He's going to give us Spirit-empowered courage, to face opposition or difficulty, to be faithful. What's my role? What, what does the Lord require of me in order to live into that promise? And as I've been thinking about that, that question, just a fundamental thought has just come back to me over and over and over again. And I can't help but realize that, yes, if I'm going to live a faithful, obedient life, the one that makes a difference is kingdom-centered, it's going to be difficult. It's going to cost me. And I need the courage that comes from the Holy Spirit. Like, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've realized as I've thought about what that takes, and what that means is that if I'm going to be lit, filled with the Holy Spirit, then I can't be full of myself. You see, if you want to live a Spirit-filled life, a Holy Spirit-filled life, you can't seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit if you're also full of yourself. What I mean by that is, is this, if your life is mostly about you, if it's about your ambitions, your desires, your dreams, your plans, your goals, your resources, if it's about you and all that you want, then what you're going to do is you're going to fill your life with you. And if you fill your life with you, you're not going to have room to be full of the Holy Spirit. To be full of the Holy Spirit, we, we have to empty ourselves of us in order for there to be room for the Holy Spirit to fill us. But if you make your life mostly about you, what you're going to end up with is you're going to end up with a life that is focused on ease, comfort, materialism. It's going to be a life that's not interested in service or sacrifice or giving of others. It's not going to be a life that, that makes a difference for the kingdom of God. But instead, if you want to live that kind of life, what Jesus describes, where you're, where you're living in obedience and faithfulness to the Lord, you've got to empty yourself of all that is you in order to be full of the Spirit. You can't keep living for your desires, your dreams, your ambitions, for, for your comfort, for your ease, if you want to live a life that honors God and is full of the Spirit. Now, in church, one of the ways that we talk about this emptying of ourselves is is we use the word surrender. You know, I think about what Jesus said in, in the garden as he's facing the, the difficult, costly choice to go to the cross. He prayed that prayer. Remember it? He said, Father, not my will, but your will be done. Or I think about the prayer in the Lord's Prayer that we pray every week when we say simply, you know, your will be done. These are prayers of surrender where we are emptying ourselves in order to be full of what God has. And if we want to live a life of consequence, a life where we are full of the Spirit, living in His Spirit-empowered courage and all that He brings, we got to empty ourselves in order to be full of Him. This reminds me of one of my favorite stories, and I've shared this with you before, and I promise you I'm going to share it with you again because I just love it so much. But it's just such an inspiring, encouraging story to me. And it's, a, it's about a famous missionary. His name is Leslie Newbigin. He served in India from the 1930s to 1970s, wrote a ton of books um, about, about missions and, and global missions and the, and the work that God is doing across the world. But when Leslie Newbigin was a young man in Scotland where he, where he grew up, he was feeling this call to be a, 
to be a missionary, to, to give his life in service of God. He didn't really know what that meant, but he was feeling this call to, to serve in this kind of way. And so one afternoon, he went to his local church. It was, you know, the middle of the week, so no one was there. The room was dark, the sanctuary was dark. And he went into the room, the sanctuary, and he sat on one of the pews. And he wanted to have this experience of giving himself fully to God. Like he's already a believer, he's already saved, but he felt like he needed this experience of giving himself fully to God. And so Nubigan took out a piece of paper and he started to write all the things that he was going to do for God. How's he going to sacrifice his life for the Lord? And you know, he starts writing about this. I'm going to preach the gospel. I'm going to, I'm going to serve the poor. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to give of myself. I'm going, to, I'm, I'm going to wake up early to, to pursue God. I'm going to read the, the, the scriptures. I'm going to fast. I'm going to tithe. You know, all these sacrificial things. And he brings this piece of paper up to the altar and he lays it on the altar. And, and he just, he says he, he feels this experience of um, nothing. Like nothing happens. And he, he thought he was gonna have this moment where he met with the Lord and had this, this profound experience, but instead, like, nothing happens. And, and so he, he's like, what, what's going on? Well, how am I missing this? And so he goes back and sits on the pew again, and he's, he's like, maybe the things I wrote weren't hard enough. So he, he writes harder things, more sacrificial things. I'm not gonna preach the gospel. I wanna be a missionary to the poorest of the poor. I'm not just gonna tithe. I'm gonna give all my money away. I'm not just gonna fast once a week. I'm gonna fast twice a week. I'm gonna wake up even earlier to read my Bible and pray. Like, all these things I'm gonna sacrifice. He goes up to the altar, and he lays this, this piece of paper on the altar, and he he lays it there and again, he, he says he just, he feels nothing. Like there's no experience at all. And he, he had this moment, he thought, like, I thought, I thought I was gonna meet with the Lord. And it's like, God's absent. Why is the Lord not here? Why is he not speaking to me? Why am I not experiencing him? And so he goes and he sits down on the pew and he's like, what am I missing? What does God want from me? And as he starts asking that question, he, he has this realization, a, a, an idea dawns in him. And so he takes out a, one more piece of paper. And I just love this, he, he, he keeps this one blank. And he walks up to the altar and he lays this blank piece of paper on the altar and he just simply says the prayer of Jesus, your will be done, right? Lord, you write the script. You direct my life. You, you lead me. You do in me what you want. And I love that story so much because that, that image of a blank piece of paper, that is surrender. It's like I've, I've emptied myself of what I think I want, what I think I need, what I want to live for. Surrender is not just about sin. It's even sometimes our good desires. Like I just, I'm going to lay myself down and say, Lord, your will be done. You, you write the script. And, and when you do this, when Leslie Newbegin did this, he says he had this experience of, of peace that filled his heart in this way that he said, I just knew that I was right in the middle of God's will for me. This is surrender. I love it. It's surrender. And if we want to be the kinds of people who are full of the Holy Spirit and all that he brings, we can't also be full of ourselves. We have to empty ourselves. And this practice of surrender, it's so crucial to living into the, the power that God wants to give us, the courage, the boldness, and all that the Holy Spirit brings in our lives. Because the truth is, we're going to live a faithful, obedient, kingdom-centered, kingdom-impact life. We can't also be living for ourselves. This is going to be a costly decision, and this only happens in these moments of surrender. You know, for me, one of the tools I've used in my life uh, to surrender on a, on a continual basis, because surrender is not like a one-time thing. It's something you got to come back to over and over again, is, is a simple prayer. It's called the Wesley Covenant Prayer. And this is a, a prayer that is incredibly challenging to me, and I find myself reading it and praying it, and I get so challenged by it. It's got lines in it like this, like, I'm no longer my own, but yours. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. It's just a prayer of surrender. And it's the kind of prayer that I find myself gravitating back towards on, during seasons when obedience is difficult. 
like when it's costly and when it's hard to, to choose to be obedient to the Lord, I find myself praying this prayer. And I think I've done this and I find myself doing this over the years because just instinctively I've, I've known that if I want to be full of what God has for me and the Holy Spirit and his life in me and this courage he wants to give me to be faithful, I can't also be full of myself. And so this morning as we um, go through the series and we, we consider this promise that Jesus has, the truth, the reality that faithful life is gonna be difficult, it requires us to surrender. And so this morning, today, I, w- I wanna invite you to come alongside me and to pray this Wesley Covenant prayer. And maybe for you, there are specific things you need to lay down in your life. Or maybe for you, this is just needs to be a continual part of our life where we learn to lay down our life to the Lord and surrender. But as we close today, let's close with this prayer um, as it goes like this. Join with me as we pray. I am no longer my own, but yours. Put me to what you will. Rank me with whom you will. Put me to doing, put me to suffering. Let me be employed for you or laid aside for you, exalted for you or brought low for you. Let me be full, let me be empty. Let me have all things, let me have nothing. I freely and wholeheartedly yield all things to your pleasure and disposal. And now glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you are mine and I am yours, so be it. And the covenant now made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven. Amen. Friends, thanks for joining us in worship today. And a big thank you to all the people who helped put this together, to the team behind the scenes, to Stephanie and the worship team and Spencer. Thanks so much for your participation and contribution to worship. If you've been blessed in this time, if something's spoken to you and your heart has been shaped, drawn closer to the Lord, we encourage you to take a moment Think and pray about people in your life that would benefit from hearing this and just take a moment to share it with them through social media or other means. You know how to best share that. Next week, we look forward to having you back here. It's going to be week five of the Spirit-filled life. We're going to be talking about how the Spirit brings joy. But this week, we've already taken a deep dive into how the Spirit wants to give us the courage of God. We hope and pray that God's courage, God's Spirit will be inside of you, be working with you, And for whatever you face, that you'll have courage so that you can walk with a heart and a head that's embraced, knows it's embraced by the love of God and that you can love the world that God desperately, desperately loves. Go in peace. The Lord bless you. Amen. God will
Oh, send me love. 